0: I knew you'd come back. This is illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read some stuff this week. I watched a movie. This week we are covering Mortal Kombat. I'm so excited. The 90s video game franchise is finally back out with a major motion picture and it just came out on HBO Max. Uh, and theaters, <laughs> but before we get to that, right. let's uh, let's just once over the results of the of the Oscars because we had a bunch in the running, Taylor. But who knew? Because nobody saw it. So <laughs> <laughs> number one, we had Promising Young Woman won a uh, Best Original Screenplay, as we talked about when we covered it uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, no Man Land obviously is the big takeaway, in uh, Chloe Zhao making history. If you had not checked out our No Land episode please go back it was just a few weeks ago and check that out and we can talk all about that cuz the awards are potentially becoming more and more the people's choice but certainly not anymore the the awards
1: are oh what's this weird thing that critics liked that nobody knew about or saw when it came out
0: so we try to find those things and cover them when they come out exactly that's why we, that's so we can be there to kind of peel back that layer and what is this well let's go on a journey but that's old news on to this week something that will never win any awards for probably anything. not um we are so excited to be doing Mortal Kombat. I was a big fan as a kid in the 90s. Definitely loved the first movie. I don't think I saw the second one. And and that's probably why right. we didn't get a third one, is people like me didn't go to the, <laughs> go to the second one. But I was a big fan. So but it's a, a franchise that was massive. It's faded away back into its video game realm for the last 20 years. It's had a few successes there. And there's always been rumblings of that third film, which eventually fell apart. And so here we are finally... Mm-hmm with this is everything that you, all the resources in the world uh, were basically thrown at this from what I can tell if they did really well I, I mean I, I my initial reaction right. is that I, I really appreciate how much work they went into just the story of this thing so it, it got my gears going I'm really excited to to kind of peel back and understand what is what's really behind these characters because it, it's such a it's yeah. such a character-driven thing. The games have no plot. They're a battling, they're a fighting, you know, <laughs> fighting, simulate, yeah. you know, like I get there are two, there are, there are all these different realms and they need to battle for control over the realm, you know, those types of things. I get it, but it's down to characters. It's very You're going to have to backpedal for the fans. Yeah. For the fans, you're going to have to. <laughs> they, there it is. So it's very, it's very character-driven and I'm really interested to see, I, number one, where Mortal Kombat, the franchise of video game, really came from and then what they drew on when they created it and then yeah. you know can't kind of compare that up with what we ended up with so yeah I, with movies i'm stoked here because
1: <laughs> there's 22 games 11 main oh games and only two movies like you said the last one came out around 25 years ago okay see like so 10, here we are. 11
0: games sounds more like 11 main ones that sounds more yeah that's 22 more what I was total thinking, 22 yeah. altogether my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> yeah but here we are Now in a world where
1: was anybody asking for a Mortal Kombat movie? Right. Isn't it that, like you said, isn't it that thing from the 90s? They have continued to make games. The last game came out two years ago. Like It it has been continuing to go, but it is up there because of the video games and video game sales, one of the highest grossing media franchises. It's in the five to 10 billion range, which other properties, since I'm a weirdo and look this stuff up, in that range. Uh Thomas the Tank Engine, Sesame Street, Twilight, the X-Men. These are all properties that are in that range. Wow.
0: That's some good context.
1: <laughs> so, like, okay, yeah, this is it a hasn't major been, you know, this is a major yeah. deal. <laughs> so we don't ever do anything about video games. So I'm excited to talk about that world because it's a totally different production right building up process, especially in the nineties. The first game came out in nineteen ninety-two, was developed
0: in ten months. Which is insane. That's insane, especially for 92. If you said that about a game now, it'd be like, wow. (laughs) That (laughs) would still be incredible. So for 92 and how far things have come in in nearly 30 years. Oh, my gosh.
1: And also four people. Oh, my uh... (laughs) God. All right. All right. Mortal Kombat. That's right. (laughs) So Ed Boone is one of the main guys, Mm -hmm. co-creator, programming. Which is a nightmare to think about. He was actually working on pinball machines. This is the time and place when this is happening. I love that. And then John Tobias is the other guy, co creator, who we'll most talk about those two guys. He did the art and the story. Mm. So he's the other head honcho. And then John Vogel worked on the graphics and Dan Forden did the sound design. And that's the squad. Wow. And they work for the company called Midway and they were going to work on a video game for this upcoming film, Universal Soldier, with John claude Van Damme. Okay, okay. And they were trying to do something with that. And then Tobias and Boone, the two co-creators, they wanted it to be more like Enter the Dragon, Bloodsport, these more edgy films. Right. More kung fu grit to them. But the deal fell through for this game tie-in, and so they continued after it, and actually Johnny Cage one of those seven first characters, he was a spoof on John Claude Van Damme. And that's why
0: uh-huh, that's he's in yes, the, he's course, in the game.
1: Course. Even the initials, Johnny Cage, John Claude, <laughs> they're the same. I found this, it's like a lot of the stuff that we're like, oh, that was so intentional or that was so a core piece of this thing is kind of circumstantial or it's like a, you know, perhaps, perhaps they just add on to it. Uh-huh. It doesn't feel like one of these things where it's like this is was our idea from the beginning. Was we wanted to make this? It's like well, it kind of just got
0: it snowballed into this this thing. Um, well, I mean, so it sounds like it was making, it was yeah. like meditating in this like soup of like seventies and eighties, you know, kung fu films mixed. You know, so this is really interesting because you know often we do th- talk about things people sitting down and this was the vision or i had an idea for an a to b and i had to figure out the middle and these guys are more like building as they go and letting it evolve for sure really interesting and it's so interesting right off the bat that the property itself has this affinity for for cinema uh the johnny cage character itself you know uh, being the main protagonist (laughs) he's kind of your pov coming into this realm that's what he's good for in the in the video game so The the relationship here between this game and movies right off the bat before it even has a title and that will come into play
1: even more as we get into the plot stuff. But I had to frame it for myself. Why are they making this now? Right. So Capcom Street Fighter Two, which Street Fighter is the other big fighting game series, Mm -hmm. came out in 1991. They were sort of like I said, starting to work on something in this realm. But Street Fighter Two came out before this came out and it really convinced the company Midway that they should do their own fighting game in this video. I see. That makes yep. Yep. Yeah. So Street Fighter Two really pulled forth a renaissance for arcade games. And oh, wow. Now as we have esports competitive gaming as a whole versus just playing alone to get a high score.
0: You were playing. Ah, against so this is somebody. where the intersection of esports comes in. <laughs> now it's making <laughs> yeah. sense. How the yeah. momentum shifts you're- here, and why we have a Mortal Kombat movie almost twenty years too late.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> this <laughs> is the this is really Street Fighter 2 where it's like, oh, you are going head to head against somebody right next to you, and this is the first time you gave players a choice between different characters. The first Street oh, really? Fighter, you only could pick. You were only the one guy. This is now you have. A lot of different characters that have thirty different moves, different special attacks. Oh, cool, yeah. And this is what
0: everybody's running towards in the arcade. And it seemed to be the for me that that, and I mentioned this already. That this is how the the affinity for this this brand is built is through the characters. Uh, like you just mm-hmm. said, you know, it, it has many characters. It doesn't have as much of a of a strict plot, and so I'm in, I'm, <laughs> right. I, I'm I'm really fascinated as to how they reappropriated these characters, building the fandom that then informs both the games and then the film itself. So, talking about in terms of what they're doing different with the characters, why
1: are people attaching to the characters? There's actually a video gamey technological basis to the differences, and that's digitized sprites versus hand drawn. And basically that means they took footage of their friends pretending to do these moves with Tobias's personal camcorder yeah, and then digitized them. And this was so cool that people wanted to see this and they only could really work with fighting games where it's a large character taking up most of the screen. Because oh, if cute. you have Mario yeah. running yeah, around yeah. on the screen, you know what I mean? Or Pac-Man or whatever, it's like it has to be eight by eight pixels but if you have a big character that's 200 pixels tall you can take the graphics data from the camcorder footage that you had and turn it into the moves so that was a big part of huge
0: that's that would be such a you would you mean you'd be on the cutting edge. you'd be doing that and being like i just saw the t-rex from jurassic park for the first time (laughs) yeah yeah oh this looks like a person yeah (laughs) yeah uh And I'll post some links to,
1: as always in the show notes, there's specific side-by-side videos of the characters making the moves and the camcorder footage that they have of them dressed up in their costumes. And so this is the Sub-Zero inspiration for the character. And it actually has to do, again, with the technical logistics of making a video game. So memory was very scarce. The final arcade game, in terms of the graphics data, is eight megabytes. Uh, I see. OK, that's <laughs> so. And that's, uh, you know, Good crazy for nowadays to think. But yeah. that's <laughs> what it consisted of. And so adding more cost way more for right. the for the arcade game, you know, midways like we can't do this. So saving money on two characters, they did a thing called palette swapping. So they found a yellow ninja costume in Chicago and then created the blue ninja as the opposite. It's the exact same thing the exact same character model, but just two different colors, ice and fire, opposing clans. And then everything rolled off of that for what they wanted the character kind of qualities to be and and what the storytelling would be. And one is Chinese and one is Japanese in origin. And that's the direct inspiration for Sub-Zero. So I looked into this because Tobias or Boone, I forget which one, Rep said there was a book that they read for the The ninja, really ninja in China story. So this was a bizarre
0: wormhole.
1: This uh, is what I wanted uh, to know because
0: before we get too deep here, as just as a general fan of the uh, game. And as a child in the '90s, the characters that I had the most quick affinity for were Sub Zero and Scorpion. They were, as you said, they yeah. look identical. Nearly, they're different colors, and they're always the ones I wanted to see more of. And they're they're in the original film, but they're used to a very lesser degree. They're essentially assassins for the other side, and that's they don't they don't have as much of a driving force in the plot right. they're just there to do the bidding of the other side whereas they have been completely re retextured into this film as the main rivalry they are and they're the poster and that's they, like yeah all the all the art that people draw you know it's these two guys and then and that's what i it's mean the is that the, ninja, the game yeah. is so character driven that out of that the fans decided the characters that they thought were important and, and the original mm-hmm. film doesn't focus on these two at all. And it feels as mm-hmm. if they've attacked this film with, well, how can we make these guys really the centerpiece? If the entire film happens because of Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, this is what I really am fascinating <laughs> in, and is the basis of these characters and their relationship. Yeah. And then and, and then to really pinpoint how smart of a move, I think it is what they've done with them.
1: So Tobias had put together like I said, the technical aspect of it being we got to get a costume and just change their colors. But then he was saying there's a there's a book called China's Ninja Connection by Lee mm. Sing, And so I looked up this book and I try you know, there's uh, historical evidence in this book for, and this is, if you look up in the fan forums and whatever, this mm-hmm. is the clan that they're based on is the Lin Kui, which I'm mispronouncing that as well, Fabulous. but it is saying there was this secret Chinese... Clan of actual ninjas that then crossed over and had an influence, which then became the Japanese ninja, oh, which is more of what we know. Right. And they abducted kids, and they and they ha- it was this whole thing, right? Uh, so I looked this up, and the book is extremely hard to find. The cheapest one is eight hundred dollars on Amazon because it came out in the eighties and was out of print, but looking into it further and like trying to piece it together. There's nothing on Wikipedia. There's like nothing about any of this stuff, except for that this book does exist. But if you go into like the reviews of the book and other things related to it, apparently it's according to some people, like I I have no idea about any of this, but it's, it's actually fake. Like all of it is fake. Oh really? It is a random white guy named Randall Brown who wrote these books under this name, Lee Sing about, these ninjas in China. But like I said, I believe that because I couldn't find anything about the Lin Kui except under what Mortal Kombat is. Like it isn't real. It isn't anything to do with reality. But I guess Tobias read this book in the 80s, got interested in these Chinese ninjas, but none of it is anything to do with actual historical fact or evidence, according to other people on the internet. But it was like, I, I tried to look up Randall Brown. I tried to look up other instances of these books, but like- there's nothing to it except because now Mortal Kombat has superseded what these books were right, right, on this right. subject. It has become the primary source. Could you imagine so you if you just
0: find- like wrote if you just wrote a whole book, you know, just like ah, I'm gonna make up some Chinese legends, and then like inspired a billion dollar franchise that you have like no, <laughs> you're not a part of that. Yeah, if all. you are Randall Brown,
1: please, <laughs> like, it's just so confusing because, like I said, a bizarre wormhole.
0: Well, that just goes to show you. Watch what you put out in the world, because you never know who will take it and run with it. And I mean,
1: run with it. Yeah. So that's the origin for it's all not. It's not true, but that's the origin of Sub Zero and Scorpion is. This and
0: it's a, and it. Hey, it works. It works particularly well <laughs> as the conflict in this film in yeah. particular, because Scorpion and and uh, Sub Zero are from opposing cultures. Uh, you see the inverse nature there. Vengeance. And, yeah. It's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, when you're if you were telling me the plot of Mortal Kombat in 1995, if you were telling me this plot, I would be like this is one of the. this is going to be an incredible movie. <laughs> 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 well, and part of the thing that
1: makes it incredible, this is kind of the second thing and also what I realized they had and is the staple of this series, but is also not a core driver of their game creation at the start is the high amount of violence and gratuitousness and blood and absurdity, right. gruesome finishing moves, fatalities. That, is what that was called. the
0: candy for the, you know, like finish exactly, finishing yeah. moves and fatalities. Like, how is your character going to decimate the other one? And in which <laughs> like embarrassing fashion will they choose? And
1: horrifying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I gotta say, they did one, they did one incredible death that Feels exact. I mean, it is exactly out of a video game. And I just got to mm-hmm. say hats off for going the extra mile. I'm not going to spoil anything <laughs> yeah. here, but there's one, and you'll know when you see it. It was like it is straight out of a video game and it's horrifying.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where this game gets the most criticism and praise is for these things. But the origin of it for Tobias and Boone, all fighting games end with the loser knocked out. That's just how they ended. Mm hmm the victor is posing over them or whatever the idea for the fatality started because other fighting games also had a a dizzy mechanic where like you if you did a certain move then you would stun the other character right and you have time to put your combination together I appreciate this because Boone was like, I hate this about video. Like, I hate, there are certain things about video games, me personally, that I hate where you have to like follow a non player character and they're too slow. So you have to run and then walk and then run. Like, Uh there are certain things that are tropes of video games where you're like, this, I don't like this as a player. And he was like, I hate this aspect of fighting games. But he's like, I love. When you get a free hit in, like that's always fun. Like, but it's not fun for me. Right. So he said, let's eliminate the aggravation by having this mechanic only occur at the end of the fight when like the outcome has already been decided. Like you lost. Yeah. So let's have the dizzy thing. And it's fun to get a free hit in at the end just for the heck of it.
0: Right. And of course it didn't sway it, you know? (laughs) It's Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this mechanic evolves to be more violent and over the top as they're building this in (laughs) their signature. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sub-Zero's spine ripping out, you know, of, of somebody Tobias saw that in predator. Yeah. From the (laughs) eighties. Yeah. And he's like, well, we should do that. And Boone was like, no, that's way too far. (laughs) He's like,
0: it's not far enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's (laughs) like, well, you got to do it. So they, so they're like, well, we'll just mock it up and see if it's too over the line. And people, all they wanted to see was that. So that kind of set the pace. For how over the top these things are gonna be. Incredible. And then again, Thank you, Predator. The the Yeah, exactly. Predator
0: is responsible the, the for the gratuitous violence in, in Mortal Kombat, is what I'm hearing. And I couldn't yeah. be happier to report it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The the backside
1: of this is that initially no one at Midway expected people like this is a secret <laughs> almost oh my side God. thing in the game. You know, it requires certain button press sequences and depending on the person and what you're doing you have to be a certain distance away and, and then like this is in arcades there's no cheat codes there's no you know thing on the side of the box that tells you how to do it. there's no internet to look up so right. <laughs> right this is not it was like if this happened in the game when you were it, it became its own hype machine to be like what are the ones how many are there how do you That's do this how cool. far away do you need? Know? what buttons
0: you know? so oh, you can see the excitement it mind right there yeah
1: <laughs> it wasn't uh Let's make a game where this is the primary driving. Of course, it's become that, right. but it's so fascinating to me that at the start, the high amount of blood I mean, there was always blood and that was over the top, but these spine ripping out fatalities at the end was not the core driver.
0: Right. And it of comes the from still the, you know, they're talking about things in yeah. video games that they don't like. Well, what can, we, you know, what a, what's a mechanic we can prove on that? I don't like how this, oh, what if? And then that takes you down a whole other yeah. road. It, it took them down an entire different path. That then, yeah. then, really, the game hung its hat on. <laughs> how, <laughs> yeah.
1: how crazy! And then the origin of this concept, slightly in Predator, like you said, but really slightly in Predator. Big, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the big, the big origin is Asian martial arts media films of the time. Mm-hmm. And I found mm-hmm. in an interview with these guys, they specifically mentioned, ironically, there was a film that came out in '74 from Japan called The Street Fighter. Right. It was the first film ever to receive an X rating in the US mm. purely for violence. Wow. Because it's totally over the top. It's now in the public domain, so I'll put a link to it. And Incredible. I watched. Um, there's there's uh, a moment, and I mean, so gratuitous. A main character castrates this rapist with his bare hands. Oh, my God. Just <laughs> rips it off. And then there's another moment where he punches a thug. And like I said, I'll post a link to this particular clip where he punches a thug, and then it cuts to an X-ray of the guy's skull being
0: shattered. <laughs> that's my favorite. I <laughs> love door that. Yeah,
1: so that uh, that's very much like these fatality sort of finishing moves are heavily inspired by this film, also ironically called The Street Fighter. Right. But the plot of this film, like you said, according to not the fans, but a general person would be like very thin... Uh there are these realms that were created by the elder gods and the denizens of one realm. You could conquer a realm, but you have to defeat their greatest warriors in 10 tournaments of mortal combat. And there you go. And You're then right. you fight and then you fight again right. and then you fight again and, right. then you fight again and blah, blah, blah. So <laughs>
0: the, that's what I story mean. And that's, and what f- I, yeah. that's why I love, I, I've had to give good, I have to give props and I don't even know if we're there yet, but I have to give right. props to the screenwriters here because yeah, all that stuff is kind of like, well, all right, I I don't I, there's not I can't really empathize with it. It's in, okay. There's a lot going on, but how how do I how am I going to view this? And how are you going to make things meaningful to me? And I, and again touching yeah. going back to how they've uh, re-ca- reappropriated uh, Scorpion and Sub Zero to be the plot. I mean, it really <laughs> this is where the yeah. where it what it's all about. And it's, it really lies into the the Scorpion character it's this long storied battle between these two for centuries. And so the main yeah, character yeah. of the new film is a completely new character, a descendant of Scorpion, uh, who was defeated and sent to sent to hell. Um, and so unbeknownst <laughs> to him, you know, de- you know, centuries later, uh, Cole young, he's a MMA fighter and he's, you know, and, He's kind of down on his luck, but he has this birthmark. Well, it's not a birthmark. It's actually he's a descendant of, of a chosen one. He's a descendant of, of, of Scorpion, one of Earth's fighters. And so what is left of the Earth team has to fight to assemble because there's this prophecy that there will be this amazing team that unites when it needs to that will see <laughs> right. Earth. and so you see how the Cole Young character comes in and kind of is the one that bounds the team together, and then re summons uh, Scorpion to face Sub Zero, who is at the right hand of the main villain. It all
1: sounds very grand and almost melodramatic, right? (laughs) In a way, which it has to be because that's like the story influence what it's what it's coming from, right? At least at the first game obviously from Chinese mythology, Shaolin monks, all that kind of stuff. Right. But it is interesting that it pulls from film more than anything, which pulls from books. But the the rabbit hole descending, it started with Big Trouble in Little China, the, oh, yes, John,
0: the Carpenter John Carpenter film. film. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love any episode I could talk about John Carpenter and Predator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right up your alley. But they were
1: saying that 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 sort of Americanized their obsession for supernatural Kung Fu films. And Shang Tsung, the main villain of the games, they said is based on Lo Pan, the villain of Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But uh, they they sort of looked into what John Carpenter was influenced by and then also got influenced by that as well. And that biggest influence is this guy, Sui Hark, which they got his films from bootleggers in Chicago's Chinatown. He Uh is- a major figure in the golden age of Hong Kong cinema. So of course I had to go down and see, because I know nothing about where he's pulling his stories from. The main film that they reference, which I'll post a link to the trailer of, is called Zoo Warriors from the Magic Mountain, came out in 83. And this is a Wuxia film, which I'll explain what that genre is, but inspired heavily Big Trouble in Little China, Hong Kong Action, they actually imported Hollywood technicians for the special effects. Robert Blalack was one of the founders of ILM, helped them push the boundaries of technology for it. Yeah. And just to give you yeah. a flavor, I read a review at the time and they said it was a roller coaster of kung fu, magic, monsters, humor, tension, visual spectacle, and gruesome bits, which isn't that oh, exactly yeah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. In the nail on the head, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but this is based on a very famous Sianxia novel called Legend of the Swordsman of the Mountains. Came out in 1932. Okay. Very popular novel. Has been adapted five times in China oh, and wow. Hong Kong. Oh my God. I looked into the two genres. The novel is this, and again, sorry, I don't speak Chinese, the intonations, but as much as a lowly <laughs> gringo's yeah. voice oh, can Oh, give real. us. Yeah. Uh, wuxia is the, what they say the, the movie is, and ciencia is what the novel was. So that's okay. generalizing low fantasy and high fantasy. So the wu genre is literally wu and sia is martial and heroes. So fictional stories about regular humans who achieve supernatural fighting ability there, yeah. through training, energy cultivation, that's the film world. And then the novel world, ciencia is two words, Xian, being a person having a long life or being immortal. And then Sia again is a hero, brave or righteous person. Gotcha. So seeking to become some sort of immortal being. These stories obviously date back thousands of years. And very generally speaking, that genre, Wusia, many of the works were lost between 1644 and 1912 due to government banning because they were seen as responsible for anti-government rebellion, very popular with the common people rose back to prominence in the 1920s as symbols of personal freedom, defying Confucian tradition. This is the golden age carries over into film with wire trampoline acrobatics, most known in the 60s and 70s films. So that's sort of where it takes going into Kung Fu martial arts movies mixed with the sort of action horror movies.
0: And then Mortal Kombat takes both of them. I love it. And lets the, you play it. I love yeah. the, the, figuring out the genesis of this because Mortal Kombat doesn't arrive fully formed in all its, <laughs> in everything that we know, yeah. and, you know, in 1992, it just doesn't. Uh, <laughs> right. It, it, it comes from from somewhere, and so being able to see where it emerged from is is fascinating, and, and particularly, it's, it's so fascinating that it is in love with cinema uh, mm-hmm. intrinsically, and in that it's now we're finally getting the third one, but it's only had three, and it's almost 30 years. Yeah. It's really interesting.
1: Of course, with the love of something as gruesome as this now kung fu martial art guy punching his skull x ray ripping somebody's thing off right. like all that stuff does not come without its controversy if that's if that's your influence right <laughs> so Mortal Kombat the game is released in october of ninety two almost ushering in an era of what I would consider kind of exploitative video games who right. cram the most blood on a pixelated screen that they can right. I counted at least fourteen sort of copycat games that come out in the 90s. Oh wow. After this. Yeah. So the context for this for video games because we always talk about where this where things sit in film history, but in video game history, this was in arcades. The Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo had come out, but these are like s- the second generations of right. home console video games. Right. This is all very new and the home consoles are geared more towards kids in the home and the arcade games are geared more towards teenagers and adults. Out. Out, yeah. So Capcom, who had Street Fighter, they were exclusive to Nintendo. Street Fighter 2 only went to the Super Nintendo. This opened the door for fighting games to go to Sega's console Uh to compete at home. So when Mortal Kombat ported to the consoles a month after the arcade release in 92, Sega kept the gore... Through cheat codes. So it was very easy for people to figure out, oh, now I've unlocked it and you get with the arcade experience. But Nintendo, because they were being a more family friendly system, they eventually got it, but demanded that they change the blood to gray sweat, change the fatalities. There couldn't be any severed heads. Like it was heavily mm. censored. Wow. So Sega's version outsold the Nintendo version by a factor of five. Whoa, wow. <laughs> is, yeah, once it got to the console. So it was a super successful launch, not even because of them, but because people are like, oh, I got to get this on this. This is the only way to get the arcade experience. So what happens because of that is it becomes the subject of several court cases, right. hearings on video games headed by these senators Lieberman and Cole, oh, which man. happened in 92 and 93 because they're concerned with the realistic depiction of, Human figures having their spines ripped out, right? Uh, <laughs> For fun again, at home. realistic depiction, like that was also part of it. It wasn't a a, a cartoon sprite. <laughs> they filmed real people, <laughs> so it looks according. You know, if you saw it in the '90s, you're like, oh, this is a real person, right? There was also this game, Night Trap, that had women in the night attacked by vampires. That was sort of doing this other filming as if it was real style. So that also became a huge issue. Oh, uh, yeah. And I didn't know that this was where it started, but this resulted. In the court hearings, they said, the entertainment software industry, everybody, you have a year to figure out a rating system or else the federal government is going to have a rating system for you. Mm. So Mortal Kombat is the reason that the ESRB is conceived. All games are to wow. be rated, placed on the packaging with the E, the T, the M in 1994. Wow. Which then makes sense why people were all up in arms because there was no, it was such an emerging medium. Yeah, it there was was, it, it was like, oh in yeah, kids year. shouldn't have this.
0: Yeah. Oh, this isn't, Um, yeah, that right. This isn't the same as one that would be for kids. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) or that anybody could get like that. Nobody, you know, so I think in a way, mortal again, talking about why people like this, why is this everlasting? Like it set the tone in a way for the gamer culture of the rift between gamers and adult society, like the blood kids loved it. Parents hated it. You know, nowadays P- parents are happy with their kids playing Minecraft, but kids want Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto
0: because it's cool. Mortal Kombat yeah. sort of started that, in right? The immortalized arguing in in Congress. Like I'm sure that, that yeah. <laughs> at that time, talking about that particular subject matter there's no question as to why it became so cemented in the zeitgeist uh it Mm -hmm. it would become ubiquitous at that as soon as somebody's on Capitol going like these games are violent well you you have heads turning to the tv going what game a game yeah (laughs) it was was incredible news at the time a game people ripping people apart (laughs) Yeah. What, <laughs> the the this is the first time that yeah. this is happening. It, you know, that you've never that this just didn't exist before this. Yeah, um, so yeah. It, it would certainly it would certainly be head turning whether you were for it or against it. So then yeah. it makes sense that only a few years later, here comes the movie, <laughs> 1995, and again they're
1: not. Yeah, they're not trying to be counter-cultural. Like I mean, in a way, they are. Boone said. In an interview I saw, he said, "I always had the position the rating system was a good idea and should be put in place. We were an M rated game. Everybody knew the content was out there. It became a non issue."
0: Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, this is this is yeah, th- this is appropriate
1: <laughs> <laughs> for mature players. Good. I'm he's not out there ranting. I should be able to sell this to kids." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is yeah. So they also a part of the the everlasting quality is kind of the tongue in cheek sense of humor you know, not photo realistic, but it like it is so over the top. You do kind of laugh at it in a way because it is so gratuitous right. and so out of the realm of reality of this much blood coming out of a person. Right. Um, so they know these court cases are going on deciding the fate of these games and what's going on, but they're still making Mortal Kombat 2 right. in the meantime. <laughs> so this actually comes out in '93 and a thing that they did with this game is they added other fatalities so one of them was called the friendship ending mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it was a comical response due to the violent content so it's like you do something nice like it gives you give the other character a present or you there's like a crossing guard sign and they can leave incredibly quietly <laughs> it, it, <laughs> or they jump rope together they give or, you, you know flowers. it's like yeah give you flowers <laughs> all that stuff and then there was also the bay where you turn the opponent into a baby. And they purposefully added these because they knew these congressional hearings were coming to like again to not to take the Mickey out of them, to be like, look, we're not, we're with you on this. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> we're not trying to fight the system. You're on to onto something. Things. We're just
0: dogs without leashes here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're gonna we're four guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So filming our friends with a camcorder. One of the things that they do, you know, as alongside pushing the envelope goes too far in this sort of carries on as the series progresses because you can do something. It's like telling a bad joke or a joke that has a bite to it. And then you mm-hmm. tell it to the wrong people and they're clapping and you're like, oh, wait, this wasn't for you. Right. So some of that stuff is the, the racist and sexist things that it mm. gets pinned on perpetuating stereotypes of Asian martial arts experts the very oh, yeah, misogynistic yeah. representations of female characters but right. at the beginning that was not the case because they were just filming their friends so like the female characters in the first game and the second game like they're not over the top because it was literally just their they're f- not actors, a normal they're not models yeah, they're just, yeah. they're <laughs> And so between Mortal Kombat 9 and Mortal Kombat 11 was where the chopping block came. And it, they really sort of have a sensitivity to that. Not the violence necessarily, but just being like, what do we, like, we're the wrong, the people that are mad about this are the wrong people. Right. <laughs> you know, they want this for the wrong reasons. And Boone was like, yeah, we would have done it different had mm-hmm. we not just sort of ridden the wave of this. Right. But that leads us to finally, like you're saying, video game movies. Cause now this thing is a, huge multi-million dollar property. Yeah. Mortal Kombat 2, when it came out, beat the box office numbers of the summer films. Wow. So it is
0: That's crazy. Huge. So you immediately, you're like, we got to make the movie in Hollywood, right? You know, in 93, <laughs> Right. We got to well, make the movie. We got to make the movie right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Well, they don't know that. And also kind of talking about video game movies, it's like Rotten Tomatoes has the list of 43 video game movies, worst to best, and only three have a fresh rating. And nice. of those three, two of them came out in the past couple of years, Sonic and Detective Pikachu. Right, so it's right. like, why are video game movies bad? Why is this perpetually a thing that's like, we got to make the movie? And then it's a terrible thing. It's interesting. It's very
0: interesting. And I, I watched something. Uh, there was a comparison video between the two films I watched this morning, uh, mm-hmm. to- weighing the 95 film with the 21 film. And it kind of stacks them up and in obvious ways, the 21 film kind of runs away with it. But then it it does give credit to the 95 film in other ways. But you have to remember the 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 superhero craze that we're we're in the midst of the unending desert of (laughs) of, of superhero film. Uh, We that was completely out of this world. If you said, oh, man, that's going to be the cinema in 15 years, people would have laughed you right off the street. Uh, it takes yeah. all the way till 2000 for for Marvel to really break through. So Mortal Kombat comes in with this massive, massive effects heavy script in 1995, and mm-hmm. if you know anything about the film, you probably know the effects are probably uh, some of the la- most laughable in a major motion picture that you could name in the last 30 years. Um, <laughs> But it's also, you have to you have to take its context with it. It, it was on a budget of yeah. $18 million, which today <laughs> is nothing. Then was more, but it's still, movies were being made at that level for $100 million, for $50 million. Mm-hmm. This didn't get anywhere near that. Yeah. So it, it really had its cards stacked up against it. Now that goes on to say, one of the issues of why are these films turning out bad is they are also weighing the misstep of how are we going to please a general audience, and get the fans in. it's that's not right. I, it's not how it works. You're not going to just convince a general audience that people who are completely strangers to this that this is cool. The way you will get people who are complete strangers to this to go to the theater is if everybody around them is start talking about it. The people who are into the video game who are pleased by the film that you made for them, that talk will permeate. And we've seen how that played out. We saw <laughs> that play out with Marvel. That's what we're living in. <laughs> All these people yeah. who go to these films and make these the biggest films, quote unquote, the biggest well, I films I think it'll right happen. Now. I mean, you look at, like I said, the two
1: biggest ones, Sonic and Detective Pikachu. Like that was for people that like, like the people that like Sonic
0: were like, this looks bad, and then they're like, "Okay, we'll fix it," you know. <laughs> like, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That is, that, and I think that's why these movies are working. I didn't see Pikachu, uh, but I did see Sonic, and I went in expecting the absolute worst. I went expecting what yeah. we're talking about—the <laughs> worst video game you know, movies that I could imagine. And went, "Here we go, let's see it." And I walked away delighted. It was a fun time. So I, I, yeah. I think that the misstep in back in the day was this idea that we got to draw a general audience. You know, separate from the fans, and I and it's it's really a, a solid way to look at this because the only way that you're going to reach out and expand this audience and get a general audience of people who would have never picked up the video game is if you please the fans who have proven that they have the money to make the box office yeah. bigger than the big movies that summer. <laughs> so, well, and
1: I think also the the video games they're picking are not story heavy pieces, like. Super Mario Brothers was the first one that came out in 1993, weird, dark, ultra real take on the franchise, but like, what is the story that you can put into a movie? And then I thought, I didn't know this, but in 94, year before Mortal Kombat's movie, Street Fighter, their movie came out, so they beat him to the punch in terms of a fighting game, and actually stars Jean-Claude Van Damme. No, whoa. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, and that was also just as campy, just as absurd, but- made three times the budget, $99 million on a budget of 35 So that proved that it kind of did work. So then in 95, here we have the Mortal Kombat film coming Hollywood to them. Larry Kasanoff is the producer. He worked with James Cameron on a lot of the secondary stuff related to film so he actually was the one who turned terminator 2 into a merchandising marvel oh man and all of the the dude subsidiary pieces to that including an arcade game at midway the famous terminator oh, yes. 2 shooter arcade yes, I experience I
0: forget? yes of course yeah <laughs>
1: so that's this guy larry's deal they showed him Mortal Kombat while he's there and he's like oh this is a franchise like i know how this works so instead of having a movie and then turn, he's like we'll make it into a movie we'll make it into everything i like this guy so he
0: yeah <laughs> so now he's Dude, the producer i like this. him all, i like yeah. him all immediately uh, he, he sees the the possibilities yeah a real ray Kroc.
1: yeah exactly they get a director that nobody knows paul w s anderson who has now done the Resident Evil series, Alien versus Predator. Exactly uh,
0: to to further our Predator connection. Yeah. He did do the first Alien yeah. versus Predator.
1: He's a he's a darling in the or maybe not a darling. I don't know if people hate him. Well, I mean like, for for the these types of films, world. I mean
0: he's yeah. the dude. He is the dude. Yeah, yeah.
1: But it lacks the violence of the games for obvious reasons because they don't want to get an X <laughs> rating <laughs> for the right. for the film. But what it does do. Matrix is usually credited as the first Western film to employ this wire foo taken from the Hong Kong cinema. But this is the first movie where they use these big wire gags in in a Western film. It's also one of the few mainstream releases to have an asian lead for this time right
0: for sure so it does that, do, and that can't be understated there i mean it does yeah. it really does have an asian lead in in 1995 and we're still yeah, yeah. We, we're, it's still marveling to have an asian-led film in 2021 basically uh so yeah <laughs> hats off so this is definitely taking yeah i i yeah. i can't i can't I cannot appreciate that enough that they did do that. And, and, but they didn't do it for all the roles, but they did at least leave oh, it no. for the lead, my God. But, yeah. And I'm happy to report that the new one really takes it to the nines with that. So Yeah.
1: And it's funny, I, I saw in an H- old Hollywood Reporter piece, there was a producer, apparently, who exploded in a rage during one of these sessions being like, I hate the script, I hate this movie. But then they greenlit it for production anyway. So they're acknowledging on some level that the audience loves <laughs> these the elements that you hate, yeah. like talking about what it does <laughs> for the people. So the 1995 one made, like you said, was an $18 million budget, made $124 million, did better than Street Fighter even, was the only new release that week except for the Babysitter's Club, and was the second highest August opening ever after The Fugitive oh, interesting. Uh, up until that point. So August opening is also big. That's the tail end of summer. Like it really was a huge production. Wow. Kept the brand alive, talking about like, oh, why are people into this? Why do people? It was like, boom, game, boom, controversy, boom, second game, making fun of the controversy, boom, movie,
0: biggest summer blockbuster. Yeah. In the early 90s, you probably could not have escaped it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So then, of course, the sequel follows very quickly in 97. Right and is directed by the cinematographer of the first one but only does 51 million against a 30 million budget right. people again hate the special effects the story is sort of disowned lost its way.
0: Yeah. And and I got to say, relating this back to a point I made earlier is I think they're I think they're focusing on the on the wrong characters from where the fan base was going. I think the fan base Mm -hmm. wanted to see uh, different characters utilized in more significant ways. And that's just not the direction they were headed. And I think people were just disinterested. I know I don't think I ever saw the second one. And I was a fan of the first one. I've got to say that I wasn't alone in that boat. Well, and also I'll post a link. It's like, the most atrocious acting
1: and scenes and special effects and the so bad it's bad. Like Yeah, there was no, a, <laughs> I, I, no...
0: we should link to the movie Mojo, like comparison video that I watched. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting because it gives credit to the, to the original. For sure. I, for, from then on out. I mean, I, I remember hearing rumbles of where, of the third film. Uh, and then eventually it just fell, quietly fell apart in the early 2000s. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the games kept
1: on trucking along, like we said, 22 games total. The third movie just never came to be because of the failure of the second one. I'm sorry. (laughs) Also troubles with the game company itself. In 2008, Midway filed for bankruptcy. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And so even though they're making the games, it's still tough. Warner Brothers made a bid to purchase the assets in 2008. The production company who made the movies sued them, saying they owed the copyright to some of the characters, et cetera, blah, 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 Ooh, Hollywood, what? legal, garbage, what? eventually gets worked out. But what's super interesting is I didn't realize when it merged, now Warner Brothers owns Mortal Kombat, which is why we had the DC versus Mortal Kombat game yes. that came out, that collab, where it's like, oh, bat- and then, of course, they have to tone down. They're not going to rip out Superman's spine. But why not? That was Ma? always the trouble. <laughs> so... Then, late 2000s, out of nowhere, Mortal Kombat Rebirth, the short film, eight-minute film, I'll post a link to it, it's on YouTube, came out. People are confused. They're like, is this a, tr- is this a faux trailer for a new video game? Because it's kind of this Christopher Nolan gritty take based right. in
0: realism. I remember this, yeah. And
1: you remember this? Yeah. I did, yeah. And it actually was an eight-minute pitch by this guy, Kevin Tancheroen. To Warner Brothers, wrote and directed it over a weekend with friends for seventy five hundred bucks. This accidentally is the golden age of this.
0: This is really the golden yeah. age of people like I'm making a concept video and seeing if they could get a job. It really is. This is the golden age of this happening. <laughs> About two thousand, so people are
1: like, "Oh, is this going to be the new movie? Is this a is this a highlight? Is it, what is this?" But it was just this guy being like, "I want to make this thing to prove that I should do it," and so he continued to work on it. They actually said, "Sure, make a web series." So that went on for two seasons, Yeah, it's called it, like, Mortal Kombat out Legacy. <laughs> yeah, and it has more, you know, it's a, it's a whole different thing. And then yeah. he was on in some capacity for the big screen adaptation, but then was dropped off the project in 2013. And mm. eventually we get this 2021 film similar to the 1995 film where they got a guy who this was his first big Hollywood directorial thing, Simon McQuoid. This is also his feature debut.
0: Yeah, I'm baffled because usually, and he, and we say that a lot. We talk about a lot about debut directors, but when you go and look at yeah. their repertoire, usually they have other credits. Usually they have other things going on. And you pull up, you pull up Simon, and it's it really just this. And I'm so <laughs> right. so. I, and when I saw that, it's almost so unusual to find this. When I saw that, I went, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Taylor fill me in on this because this is <laughs> wild. <laughs> so
1: the thing that he is, and I, I even remember this, he has done commercials for huge brands, Nike, yep. Apple, yep. etc., and really cinematic, almost short film type things for mm-hmm. specifically video games. So he did commercials for Xbox, PlayStation, Halo, Call of Duty. Oh, One sick. of my favorite ones that he did, Star Wars. One of my favorite ones- he did is about playstation's greatest characters and i'll post a link to the to it for the playstation three when that first came out and it's like kratos the god of war and and everybody is coming in to this ancient hall and they're all cheersing to michael for what he did for us and it's this you know dweeby guy holding a controller that's on the wall but it's about the the greatest it was just it's it's wonderful and it fits for the time and what well it is, then but, there so you go
0: immediately it makes sense. Yeah. And then he's the guy for the job. It sounds great. <laughs> well, because this know? is exactly it. It's like this guy knows what gamers
1: like, yeah. you know, business-wise, this isn't mean to say, but like the price is right.
0: Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm, also mm-hmm.
1: gonna be able to be reined in because he's not
0: some Stanley Kubrick <laughs> visionary exactly. mastermind. And he's proven that these major corporations can work with him time and time again, you know? And he has plenty
1: of visual effects experience so they took a chance yeah <laughs> there I, I, you go honestly when,
0: when you look over when you go over that when you go over that it's a no brainer it's like oh yeah for mm-hmm. sure let's let's this is the perfect type of movie to try yeah. this out on this is this is what this is what it used to be in a lot of ways. Yeah. Somebody would like really do their work, cut out like a, a, like something that they're known for that they just get relied on for. And then eventually they get mm-hmm. the call first, the, the stepping stone. This is usually how it, how it used to be. It's not quite how, it, how it works all the time anymore. So this is fascinating. Yeah. This is really good. I, I I definitely am walking away with a ton of respect from Simon McQuoid. I didn't have any preconceived notions. I just didn't know who he was and had nothing else yeah. to look at. Yeah. I think yeah. it takes a good script, but then you got to have a, a good director that understands how visually you can communicate that because it's all, it's all non, and most of the time is it's nonverbal. That's the trick of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm definitely walking away with a lot of respect for Simon here.
1: Oh yeah. But in terms of the ubiquity of all this, and, and again, the cultural impact, I, I didn't realize this, but UFC came out in 93 oh, and this yeah. is where Super Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, both their second games, are huge sellers for both the arcade and console. Yeah. And so UFC was trying to distance itself from pro wrestling. And mm-hmm. what did they compare them to? In the pitches to promoters, they said, oh, this is like a real-life Mortal Kombat. This is like a real-life fighting video game oh tournament. My God. Oh my God. And so it already filtered into the zeitgeist. And interesting, like you said, that the main character of this film mixed martial arts fighter. Well, they're, they're comparing right. themselves to Mortal Kombat to even get started as a,
0: as a sport. Yeah. So I think is, that- He yeah. is an MMA fighter. That is his whole character. And again, this is a character <laughs> created. Uh, so he's only in, the, in this new movie.
1: And well, and I think that that's the thing is the, yeah? what to focus on is the characters. And I would dare even say the randomness of it all. Like right. <laughs> so, for a, one of the, the things, the I amalgamation saw
0: it. it takes the plethora of this mosaic that makes Mortal yeah. Kombat. It takes the ages That is the exciting. Yeah, it yeah. takes the '80s influence, it's the, ex- the Street Fighter influence. It takes the ancient <laughs> Chinese, Japanese. All, it takes all yeah. of this influence and blends it together, and that that soup creates Mortal Kombat. It's not one. It's not just the fatalities. It's not the line, get over here. You know, it's not the music yeah. necessary. It's it, it all of that comes together to build something bigger than one piece. And it's that that's the exciting part of the
1: game is you have the Defender of Earth Realm, you have the conceited celebrity from Hollywood, you have this undead ninja you go there to watch the ice wizard fight the guy with robot arms right. because they have no business being together. How did this, you know, like, right. that, is what, <laughs> that is what you come for and that's what they consistently deliver. And this time there's a little bit of a story to it. So people, you know, yeah, and hang on. So I
0: think but, what they plan yeah. on doing here is that this is, so the, the this all hinges around the tournament amongst realms, right? And you have to win right, 10 right. in a row and then the Earth has lost nine. You so this numbers. film yeah. centers a pre-tournament 10. The next film is supposed yeah. to be Tournament Ten, and then they want to do the third one, which is after Tournament Ten. I see how structurally this would be uh, s- satisfying. It was fun, and I, it was delighting to see somebody give some attention to something I didn't where I didn't expect it. I didn't expect much from this yep. movie. I certainly didn't expect expect for Scorpion and Sub Zero to be turned into like the hinge, like rivals of, of, of this, that they've always been just another character and now they really are where the story is li- lays. And as an old fan of Mortal Kombat, man, I am, I can't, I'm I I'm, I'm jazzed on it. It's a great idea. Uh, as a writer, I'm jazzed on it, that they found a way to take characters that I love and give them new meaning uh, and give them appro- finally appropriate significance. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys for coming on this <laughs> wild journey check us out at illiterate pod on instagram you never know what our next episode is going to be it might be on your favorite thing so get in touch with us and let us know what your favorite thing is love you guys and we will catch you next week